Well, welcome. This is Koinonia. I am Billy Thrall, currently with Movement Day Arizona, filling in again this week for our sweet friend Tom Brown, who's given me this slot every Wednesday afternoon. Today's a blast because it's an easy interview. It's an easy conversation because it's a good friend and somebody who was my boss for a while. So there's the teaser. Um, But let me just tell you a little bit about this show and uh, what Tom's heart is for this show and why my friend Debbie Moak is here with me today. Uh, Tom named this Koinonia because he wants it to be about community. What's going on in our community? How do we build community? And obviously with Faith Talk 1360's heart for church engaged in community, this is a perfect conversation for me and Debbie today. And then with Movement Day Arizona, I got asked to do this because my new job is to find out what God's doing in the community and build on that, kind of focus our efforts as a church around the really big issues. I call them the upriver issues. What's happening upstream so that we can serve families in our communities, um, not always just pulling out of the river what's down <laughs> down river. So, Debbie... This is Debbie Moak. Hi, Debbie. Good morning, Billy. <laughs> I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit, who you are, and today's going to be really fun because we can talk about uh, all the areas of your expertise, but you're now in the governor's office. So a little bit who Debbie Moak is and your current role. I'm excited to be with you again, Billy. Um, we miss you in the governor's Thank office. Thank you. That's sweet. Yeah. So I am the current director of the governor's office of Youth, Faith, and Family. What is that? So we oversee uh, a a lot of federal grants and some state funds. We also oversee eight of the state's councils and commissions uh, on topics like substance abuse, domestic violence, human trafficking, juvenile justice, service and volunteerism, the Governor's Youth Commission, and, and a couple of others. So um, I had the privilege of working with you for a year, and for I think for people just in this initial segment to tell folks, yes, the state of Arizona has an office that is the Office of Youth, Faith, and Family. I know a lot of that had to do with you and your heart of creating that office. I think the year I was working there, I don't think any other state has something like this. Where does the office—how does a governor's office— have permission or the heart to include faith in an office title? Well, it is pretty amazing and certainly under the direction of our current governor, Doug Ducey. Um, So is also his vision. And you were there, Billy, and helped me um, plant the foundation for what the agency is engaged in now. We always saw this. The vision is that um, the faith community is already doing so much good in these arenas. So let, let's let mobilize them and partner with the faith-based community on initiatives, especially like foster care youth, yeah. which you worked on. Yeah. And some of those uh, foundational things that you helped us put in place are doing amazingly well today. Well, this is just our teaser opening segment because uh, Debbie is one of the state's experts on substance abuse and substance abuse prevention. You're also now, as you said, through the governor's office, doing a lot on the domestic violence prevention, human trafficking prevention. All that goes through the governor's office, actually through you and your office. So we're going to take today and educate people on what's going on uh, from the state level, but also the local level 
that's affecting human beings. I mean, obviously, substance abuse, I think we'll, we'll talk about that right out of the chute after mm-hmm. this next break. But thank you for being here. Uh, you are listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Appreciate Tom Brown letting me host again today. I'm Billy Thrall. I used to be with Debbie in the governor's <laughs> office and now have a role called Movement Day Arizona, facilitating conversations a way the church can serve our communities more effectively. So we'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. And again, if you missed the opening, honored to have my friend Debbie Moak in with me here today. Debbie is really important. She wouldn't admit that. Uh, Heading up the governor's office of Youth, Faith, and Family. So, yep, her office is right below the governor's office in the tower every day. I know because I was there for a while. And uh, Debbie, thank you for being here. Thank you, Billy. And if I didn't say it earlier, thanks for what you do. I love what I get to do, Billy. But you're good at it. Well, it's divine. (laughs) There is no question for me that God has placed me in this role, literally going back years and years, every experience, good and bad. Uh, I know now he, Mm. he brought me through all of that to be doing what I am today. So Debbie runs the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family, and it's lots of grant and dollars, but it's more than that. It's how do we impact huge systems in our state around the most vulnerable, foster care, human trafficking, substance abuse prevention, so big stuff. Uh, going into the break, uh, I tease folks that I think you honestly are the expert in my mind on kind of substance abuse prevention, substance abuse stuff. Before we talk about the issues, um, how much of that do you want to share about your own personal story? This isn't just something that you decided to be about. Uh, This isn't just something that's really important because it's both of those things. Debbie Moak's story includes the the pain of dealing with substance abuse. And so a little back of your background. Yeah, Billy, if it hadn't been for that, likely I wouldn't be doing what I am today. Um, I was a school teacher. Um, many years ago, but went on to found a nonprofit 17 years ago because of my own personal experience. Um, 17 years ago, Billy, I was placing my then 20-year-old son into rehab, into Mm -hmm. treatment to overcome a drug addiction and, quite frankly, to save his life. Mm -hmm. Um, Sadly, I have also lived through this with my own sister, Uh, I have my son today, and he is uh, in recovery, and we're very proud of him, but it was a long, difficult journey. I don't have my sister any longer. That is one of those battles that, sadly, we we lost, Um, but God has used every piece of it for good, 
And uh, today in the governor's office, what excites me the most, and you've used a couple of the phrases, is upstream and systemic changes. I'm so grateful to be in an administration that cares for victims and provides services and supports. But what really drives me every day and gets me excited is to come in and work on fixing fixing systems so that fewer people come into them. This is still a real personal issue for you. Yes, I mean, it you, is. You're in the governor's office every day, but I know you still have a personal phone that at night and in the morning, you're getting text messages and phone calls from people who are struggling with their own addictions, their kids, parents. It's a personal thing for you. It is, Billy, and although that is not my job title, yeah. I've already answered those calls uh, already this this past weekend, mm-hmm. um, meeting families and, and trying to connect them to services and supports when they're in crisis. Someone did that for me. Mm-hmm. Someone actually at the time, I didn't know, and someone connected me to another mom who was about six months ahead of, mm. ahead of me, struggling with her son, and she helped me. And I've carried on that tradition now, if you will, for 17 years, just on my own personal time. You're listening to Debbie Moak. She is in the governor's office of Youth, Faith, and Family, directs that office uh, for this administration. I'm Billy Thrall here on Koinonia, Faith Talk 1360. So, Debbie, if, just, if you were to tell somebody... Basic information. You you were a mom who never expected to have to put her son into rehab. You never had that on your radar, never thought you'd be doing what you're doing today, but suddenly your life is consumed by the struggles of your son, which impact everyone that you know. What's, what's maybe in, misinformation that's out there or something you would want to say to people right out of the chute to say, boy, I just wish someone would have told me this early on? Uh, number one would be don't be in denial mm. because this epidemic is catching uh, many, many people up in it that would never expect to, to find themselves in this position, that um, having a God-loving home isn't enough. You need to know the signs and symptoms of drug abuse, and you you have to have a plan, quite frankly, to prevent it uh, long before before this can come to your home. You have to be proactive in in preventing, just like we do with everything else. We have a plan to help our kids with their academics. We generally have a plan for them to grow in their faith. We have a plan for everything else other than uh, drug abuse. So I would just urge people to gain knowledge about what's really around their kids today. And and quite frankly, there was one survey I find very telling, and that is when parents were asked, would your kid ever use a drug because of stress? Only 7% of parents Mm. believe their kid would ever use a drug for that reason. But in fact, when we ask kids the same question, 73% of kids said they would use a drug because of the stress. And I find that by and large, parents don't even begin to understand the stress that their kids are under Mm -hmm. today. No kid is immune. I think it's one of the things I'm hearing you say. Be prepared like you would train your kid how to drive a car or train your kid how to do their homework. 
your family should be prepared to deal with the fact that every kid is going to encounter the temptation of substance abuse. Every single child. I love that your nonprofit's called Not My Kid because it's playing on the words of, boy, I'm in denial. You know, it's not my kid. And then kind of flipping it to, not, that isn't going to happen to my kids. Like, I'm stepping in and letting my kid have, what, what kind of resources exist? So if someone's listening right now and going, I don't have a plan. I'm a little afraid. I don't want to live in fear. I want to live in strength. Uh, God help me figure this out. Where do you direct people? Where can people go for information and some guidance uh, for their family? So certainly my old nonprofit that although I'm no longer there, they continue on the good work, not my kid. They, they have lots of resources for families, as well as in my role in the government, the governor's mm-hmm. office, we've created many resources. In particular, we have an annual plan on our website for parents and youth to fill out together. And we encourage families to make a plan and win this year. Stop focusing five years down the road. Let's win this year. So they would go to the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family gov. Additionally, for families who are listening and they're already in the struggle, we created a prevention, treatment, and recovery locator also on our website. So I'm going to have you talk about it again mm. because I was there for a year and you taught me so much. I honestly think the best resource that exists right now in the state of Arizona is the governor's office website. You've put a lot of time and energy into it, but it's amazing. You can type in your zip code and it'll pop up around you resources that exist for you. You you might think you're listening to a Christian radio station that the last person you're going to go look for, last place you're going to look is the governor's office. I got to tell you, it's the first place you should go. One, it's the governor's office of youth, faith, and family, but your background, your staff, the team that you've compiled there it's an amazing resource tool. So again, if somebody's interested in gathering information, wants to know what's available around them, I went with you to many of these sites, um, cutting-edge technology and information and rehab centers. I've been with you. They're all on this website, and they're geographically located across the state. So no matter where people are, again, how would somebody find that that information. So you can, if you want to go directly to the tool, um, the locator, you can log in by substanceabuse.az.gov. And you're correct. Literally by zip code, by gender, by insurance, no matter what county you reside in the state of Arizona, you can find treatment and recovery supports. And it, it is a, it's a great tool. I will tell you, having spent a year with you in the office, we have done a lot of study. I can't think of any more critical issue, actually. Uh, substance abuse has impacted almost every other system in our state. If you want to look at the education system, substance abuse is a major factor. The foster care system, substance abuse is a major issue. The prison, the incarceration system, whatever thing we look around. And so listen, brothers and sisters, if you're listening, you're going, man, what could the church do? I got to tell you, educate yourself on the impact of what's going on in your 
street, <laughs> maybe even your home and in your own community around substance abuse because it is impacting every other system. Agree? It is. Homelessness, yeah. domestic violence, human trafficking. There isn't a system, quite frankly, that we uh, deal with that doesn't have substance abuse almost at the core. So the churches have a great role that they can play in preventing, reducing, and quite frankly, Billy, destigmatizing individuals and families who uh, find themselves in this situation. Mm-hmm. By destigmatizing these individuals and families, we're in a better place to love them, help them, provide support, and, and care for one another. And this is something that I sadly too often see having grown up in the church myself. I think what you're saying, you're being tactful. Mm -hmm. I won't be as tactful. I think sometimes the church shames people who are the victims of substance abuse. And I want to, they're victims. No one picks to be a substance abuse addict or an alcoholic. No, Billy, and I've, I've experienced that firsthand. Debbie Moak from the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family is sitting with me today. This is amazing. We're going to take a break in a little bit. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about some of the controversial issues that might be affecting right now this voting season that maybe people need some education on. Uh, this is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. Thanks to Tom Brown for letting me host, host this show. we got to take a break. I'll come back with our state expert, Debbie Moak, in just a minute. Welcome back. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. I am the host, Billy Thrall, currently with Movement Day Arizona. I say currently because two months ago, the person sitting with me was my boss at the governor's office. Um, Thank you for that great year, and that was an amazing, so many great stories to tell, but enough about me. Um, I'm with Debbie Moak, who is the director of the governor's office of Youth, Faith, and Family, which is an amazing thing to say. Um, before I was in that office, realized that Arizona is very unique in this idea of partnership and then to watch the way you've blended what I would say community solution out of church with the governor's initiatives and the government stuff is incredible. And I know that's your background as well. Um, I, I do want to take a little bit of time. Your story, we, we, we touched one piece of your story, but did you imagine yourself having this job? When 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when you were a school teacher, where did you come from? How did you land here? It is, it is divine, pure and simple. It was God-ordained, God-planned, because this isn't what I would choose. Even still to this day, there are things I feel I just led by the Lord, and I at times want to resist, Billy. It's not um, necessarily what I wanted to be doing. But I love now what I get to do because I feel the partnership with God every day. I feel the dependence on him. I pray all the way to the Capitol in the morning, and I ask God to show me what he would have me to do to be his feet, uh, to be his hands, and to 
quite frankly, reach out to the most vulnerable populations and show me how to serve them. Where did you come from? Did you come from a Christian family? Did you have any moral compass in your life? How did you get to where God was so important? I was so fortunate as a girl growing up in Kentucky. My pastor was Warren Wearsby. Wow. Was, uh, yeah. (laughs) That's nice. Good good background. Grew up with his daughter. Nice. Uh, It was just such a special time of life. And I I used to say that literally every time the the doors were open at church, I was there. And then how did you and your husband get involved in the kind of work that you're involved in now? Well, that was uh, the the part that was the unplanned. Mm -hmm. Having a son go through substance abuse and trying to find resources for him and save his his life. During that journey and during that time, my husband and I literally looked at each other and said, we're not going to hide in shame. We're not going to pretend to our friends that this didn't happen. We haven't done anything wrong. We're great, loving, godly parents, and yet here's where we are. So we created the resources for him and for others and just opened ourselves up to other families, let them know what we were going through. And we quickly learned that people were around us were suffering in silence as well. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the first eye-opener was um, what we had created. There was more need than we were even aware and people were grateful that we stepped out and uh, took a lead. It's it, Thank you for being brave. I think so many times in the church when something's wrong with us, we think that we're the only ones, even if we're the victims of something that's been done to us. And so we hide. Mm-hmm. But it's such a gift to others when we're honest about what we're going through because everybody's going through something. And so when someone finally steps up and said, you know, I'll be honest and tell my story, that's a great gift. So thank you guys for your bravery. You also have another son. What's he up to? Oh, my goodness. He (laughs) is um, the area director for Chandler Young Life. Yay, Young Life. Yes, married a young lady whom I know you know well. I do. Uh, They are having their first baby, Billy. I'm finally going to be a grandma. Yeah. Yay, welcome. Yep. In February, I'll be a grandma. So I want to dig back into some controversial issues that I know you have some strong information about and some strong opinions, but they're not just opinions. They're actually really important. Uh, To remind folks who I'm talking to, that's Debbie Moak, and she runs the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family, which does a ton of amazing things around substance abuse prevention and domestic violence prevention and human trafficking prevention. A lot of great things going on in our state come out of Debbie's office. Um, but you also have a background kind of in um, political, the, the, the political ramifications, perhaps, of the substance abuse conversation. What of that would you like to educate people on in, in this season? Well, I'm grateful for the question because today I sit here with a heavy heart and concern. Um, There is a ballot initiative that would dramatically change uh, the landscape for Arizona. I think it's important that people know that Prop 205, if it were to pass and we were to uh, legalize marijuana in the state of Arizona, it's voter-protected, Billy. 
So although this is passed in four other states and D.C., what we're seeing happen right now in Colorado, Colorado is putting in place some boundaries, literally rolling back things like the potency of THC. Which is the levels of the narcotic the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana. Correct. As well, they are banning gummy bears and candy bars and all of these kid-friendly things. Well, Arizona cannot do that because of our Voter Protection Act. So I urge people to read the 19 pages of legislation. And by the way, read it all. Because those first couple pages, Billy, it doesn't sound too terrible Mm. until you get deeper into it. It really does create a monopoly. It um, allows medical dispensaries to gain financially while the taxpayer will be left holding the burden of caring for Uh, new addiction, creating two new agencies to oversee the marijuana industry. Um, We we also, Billy, see that Colorado, since legalization, their 10 to 17-year-olds, 10 to 17, are 74% above the national average for use of marijuana. As well... We also see that they've become, and I've tried to tell people this, when you legalize this substance, you get everything, and Colorado has. They are now number one in the nation for not only marijuana, but for alcohol, painkillers, and cocaine. So they got it all. Oh, my gosh. I want to unwind a bunch of that because it's really important, I think, for our listeners one of the things that we talk about is what are some of the issues that impact a wide swath of areas? And I do think substance abuse is one of those issues. And I think marijuana use is the gateway to a whole bunch of other mess. To remind the listeners, that's Debbie Moak from the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family. I'm Billy Thrall. This is Quinn and e on Faith Talk 1360. I want to take some more time in this segment and talk about it. Colorado thought it was a good idea mm-hmm. to let the legalization of marijuana under the guise of, this is now my opinion and what I understand, some very wealthy people tricked the voters of Colorado into thinking that the taxation would bring in dollars for education when what really happened is it's cost the state millions of dollars because of children and babies getting exposed to marijuana, hospitalizations, and now you're saying... Opiate use has increased, cocaine use has increased, alcoholism has increased in, in Colorado because it was just this gateway to these other substances while these wealthy guys that are behind it that are kind of monopolize the market around it, they don't really care about those systemic issues. You have those same fears for Arizona. T- talk a little bit more. Clarify what you're saying, why it is so important that we don't get tricked into thinking this is somehow going to benefit our state. You know, it's so interesting, Billy. I've probably been out uh, six times this past, past month speaking in high schools to the youth. And the youth get it even more than their parents. It's the parents that we have to really get up to speed. Um, the kids understand that this is a gateway. Um, the kids understood that it, it really isn't good for their futures. 
Um, we know that this is a substance that one, if you start during adolescence, which here in Arizona, our youth are already using marijuana for the first time at 13 years, mm. seven months. Think about that, Billy. That's a seventh grader. Yeah. And when you start at those ages because of brain development, social emotional development, one in six of those kiddos will go on to be full-blown addicts. Mm. Wow. Five five won't, Billy, but that doesn't mean the five don't suffer any consequences mm-hmm. at all. But I know you can remember from the time in our agency, mm-hmm. on my calendar are people every day looking for financial resources and supports for treatment and recovery. A- and you remember this. There already is not enough resources right. for those who need treatment. So to to scale this up, quite frankly, means more availability. More availability means more use, and more use means more addiction. We started the show by saying, what's the one thing? And you said, don't be naive to Mm -hmm. educate. I think we should be educated. I think the church, I think those listening need to be educated on the impact of a legalization of marijuana. I've been to Oregon recently. I've been to Colorado. It's crazy. It feels like the 60s got unleashed again because this permission to kind of get this. But then the other stuff that's killing me, and, and you too, is these gummy bears. They look like gummy bears, but they're marijuana-laced. Um, candy bars, energy drinks that these dispensaries sell, but it turns out that they're laced with marijuana. So it's a tragic story. We have to take a break. That's Debbie Moak, my friend from the governor's office of Youth, Faith, and Family, an expert in so many things and running so many cool things for our state. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. When we come back, Debbie, we got a whole nother segment to drill into some of the issues that are really important, not only for your heart, but for our state, impacting our families. Hope you're listening. Hope you get educated on these issues. We'll come back in just a minute. Debbie Moak and I did not pick this music, but we'll go with it. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 with my friend Debbie Moak from the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family. I hope if you've been listening, you're a little stirred. (laughs) Debbie's not a sit-stiller kind of person, so hopefully she's gotten to you and you're paying attention and you're thinking, wow, I never really thought about substance abuse and the impact on my personal family, but this marijuana legalization is a big problem. And it impacts so many other issues in our state. I'm Billy Thrall, and so fun to host you here today. This has been fun. Thank you, Billy. Talk a little bit again. I just think it's really important. When we look at our state, you and I, you know, our hearts break over how many kids in the foster care system, our hearts break on the domestic violence stories that we would hear every day. These things land in state agencies. People need help. One of the things that keeps reoccurring in the surveys of people who are the victims of these horrible things is this substance abuse theme. We've talked a little bit about the the lie around the legalization of marijuana, but talk a little bit about the opiate um, epidemic. 
I, I didn't. I thought I knew about this stuff until I met you. I realized I didn't know about it. What's happening is prescription narcotics are so available that kids are taking them out of grandma's and mom and dad's medicine cabinet and selling them for thirty to fifty dollars at school. And it's just led to this heroin epidemic because it's the same strain. Talk a little bit about what that really is, what, what's really going out on the streets of our, our cities right now, the pain that's causing people. Because I think sometimes the news just says opiate epidemic and we stop listening. The truth is this is impacting a lot of human beings' lives. Well, it what's is an epidemic, on? Billy. And uh, as a matter of fact, we know that 75% of heroin users started with a prescription painkiller. Wow. Went to the doctor, got an, had, had a an knee injury. surgery, had an injury, started taking pain meds. Legitimate reason yeah. to, to use a painkiller, but they are just that highly addictive. Mm. And for far too many people, um, they're just not able to get off. And a pill, as a matter of fact, here in Arizona can sell for between 50 to $80. Just one pill. One pill. And heroin, we know, can sell for 5 to $8. And it does, they produce the same high. So for someone who can't get or can't afford their the prescription painkiller any longer, uh, heroin becomes a viable option. And we, we see what's happening. Um, one of the populations, Billy, that are actually at greatest risk are those who come off of heroin or opioids and get clean. And those first two weeks after being clean um, is, is the scariest, riskiest time Why in their lives. Well, they become um, clean from the substance. Their tolerance is lowered. And if they go back and use at that level again, the body just doesn't have the ability to handle it. I think I know what you're referring to. Our friend Jeff Taylor talks about um, what happens is you start to use a little and then you think after you haven't used for a while, you can use again at the level you quit at. And we see a lot of deaths. We see a lot of tragic overdoses unexpectedly because people return or have a pill at a level they thought they could handle again, but they can't. Well, two things that I'm grateful the governor passed last year. One is the um, reversal to an overdose death drug, which is uh, naloxone. And the governor signed legislation that now makes that available in Arizona without a prescription to families. Right. Um, that certainly will save a lot of lives. And, and f- I tell people, for many families, their kid will be able to live to fight this mm. addiction another day. And mm. that's why this is so important. Uh, the governor also passed legislation around our controlled substance prescription monitoring program, which is software, Billy, that now uh, mandates that prescribers, excuse me, will have to use the system and look to see if you re- received mm. a prescription last week. Can't and double dip here with your again. medications. No. no. Awesome. That's great legislation. Um, Your office does more than substance abuse prevention, which is a huge piece of what you do. 
What else is going on, uh, Debbie, in the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family? So uh, an amazing story I want to share with everyone. We, for the second year, have scaled Lighting Arizona Purple, which was a domestic violence awareness campaign. And we've really convened uh, a message on behalf of the governor and the state to the point this year, Billy, it scaled so widely We had a father walk into the Capitol just last week, and he asked the government to help, that's us, to provide resources to his daughter around domestic violence. For me, that was such a win, knowing that, yes, we helped this one person, but it's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. What it meant to me was that the message is resonating widely, and uh, we were seen as a resource uh, in, a, in a very real way. You painted the Capitol purple. Well, you okay. shot purple lights up on the little angel on the top. And I think the, some of the stadiums were purple. And I know city offices were purple. And Home Depot was selling purple light bulbs. So you At could purple your porch. 54 locations. Imagine that. Home Depot partnered with us, Billy. And they distributed handouts to the community in 54 stores. I love hearing that our governor and you, Debbie, care about people in this way and getting into the issues that are affecting the most vulnerable in our community. That's Debbie Moak from the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family. Uh, I'm going to flip a question on you here a little bit, and you're not ready for it. If I told you that you can't do this anymore, mm. what would you miss the most? Oh, wow, Billy. Well, first of all, I would ignore you, and I would keep doing it. <laughs> you do it anyway. <laughs> I would You're do not, it You don't anyway. like the word no. Yeah. No, I don't well, like the In other the words, word, no. uh, what, what are you loving so much about what's happening right now that you would just miss it if you couldn't do it? Mm-hmm. it it's truly serving the most vulnerable populations, which I know you know a lot about as well. Um, I can't pass by a single individual in need, Billy, without my heart engaging and wanting to make sure that we do something with all of the systems that we can impact it to help real people. For me, everything we do, there are names of people that I know that I've met, and I get up to make sure that I serve them today. I just have to. And Debbie, I know you won't say this, but I'll say it on your behalf. This is real for you, not just in the past with your family, but, you know, there's a guy or two that you bump into on your journey to work every day. You know their name. You oh you goodness. love on them. You try to care for them. So, yes, you, you're you going to go to the governor's office and be in that tower today and work out of that. But but this is this is personal for you. You know it's about the people in, around you. You know, sadly, Billy, um, uh, there was a, a mother that I had come and speak. We just wrapped up the governor's substance abuse task force. And one of the moms I had come and speak to the task force sadly buried her daughter last mm-hmm. week. And I can't not think about mm-hmm. all of those individuals and their burdens and their stories and their loved ones. Um we, we just have to be able to scale more. What can the church do? What can somebody listening do? There's actually a lot that the church can do. Number one, we've already spoken about uh, 
helping families not live in shame, just embracing and loving and caring for individuals who are struggling. But there's helping them to scale programs within a church community. And actually, I'm working with uh, our Department of Economic Security right now, and we're looking to launch a uh, mobile on-the-go and come into churches and bring resources with us. You know, embrace us as we call on you and learn, gain some tools, because really the church has a great opportunity to learn and then uh, put their arms around families who are struggling. I'll say that another way, because I agree with you. Uh, we would say the answer to the to the world is Jesus, mm-hmm. and that answer lies in those who follow him. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of our calling and sort of our responsibility as the church to be in the front of conversations of what affects people. So anyone listening would say, yeah, we need to make sure people know Jesus. Well, right behind that is real life, too. And people want jobs. People are—a church would have marriage counseling, has all kinds of resources for families. But very few churches that you and I bump into are talking about this ginormous issue of substance abuse or human trafficking, issues that are actually affecting their families or the community they live in. I like what you're saying. The church can take the lead in these areas. Start a class. Start some awareness. If you're listening, you're going, this is this has impacted my life. Mm-hmm. Be, take that lead out like you did, Debbie, and be that person, that family to start a support group or a team. When we were working on foster care, I know some of the churches in town have started Sunday school classes just for families who foster and adopt because they understand each other. Maybe churches could t- take that same substance abuse prevention avenue and create that within the church so people don't have to go somewhere else. Well, I would add one more thing, Billy, and that is if if a family or an individual are struggling with substance abuse, it's much harder for them to ever hear the love and message and the personal relationship to Jesus Christ, which we all ultimately want. But I s- submit to you that it's hard to reach someone when they're in the throes of an addiction. So let's deal with that first so that they can accept and hear about the love of Jesus Christ. They need to have their mind and brain clean so that they can receive the message. Wow, we only have one more segment after this. This is sad. It went too fast. We're going to take another break. It has been so fun to have my friend Debbie Moak from the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family here in the office, or in, sorry, in the studio. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. This is Faith Talk 1360 Koinonia. One more break. When we come back, a close and a thank you again, Debbie, for who you are and your expertise. Stay with us for one more sign-off in just a little bit. Welcome back to Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. So fun, Debbie Moak, to have you here with me today. I just love being here with you, We got to do this more. Please, I'd like that. Why are you so busy? (laughs) (laughs) 
We should hang out again. I, know. I used to see you every I day. I miss you, Billy. <laughs> Thank you. The office misses you. That's sweet. So get, Debbie is with the governor's office of Youth, Faith, and Family, which is an miracle in itself, that your story is a miracle, that you would be asked to do this is a miracle. But you're also an expert. So this is a great thing. To, again, I want you to just tell people the issues around domestic violence, human trafficking, youth, and substance abuse prevention, I think the website is one of the best places to go. So how do people find some of this information, Debbie, that you have created? If you go to the governor's office of youth, faith, and family, .az.gov, there is a wealth of information and resources there. So goyff.az.gov. I promise you it won't disappoint. How can else can people contact you if they need some help with any of the I'm things? I'm very you easy to find in a government <laughs> office, Billy. <laughs> so where is it? It's the Governor's Office of Youth, Faith, and Family. Yep, we're on the second floor in the towers at 1700 West Washington. Very easy to find us if you're struggling or need resources. I have an amazing staff, as you well know. We we are ready to engage or help or come provide resources. Um, I'm actually speaking to about 60 pastors this week, Billy. That was Debbie Moak. Thank you, Debbie, for being here. Appreciate your friendship and what you're doing in leading our state in these issues. Thank you again for listening to Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360. Thank you, Tom Brown, for letting someone like me sit in for him. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. I hope you've been blessed. Hope God has used this time to educate you, engage you in serving our community. That's our goal. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be with you next week here on Koinonia.